Hey everybody, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover and I'm fiercely passionate about focusing on the quest of taking a good day and doing great things. If you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of open-mindedness, how would you rate yourself? If you're like most people, you would rate yourself fairly high. I mean, who wants to be considered closed-minded? And that really serves as the basis question for today's episode entitled Echo Chamber. If you were to look up the definition of echo chamber, the first thing you would see is that an echo chamber is a room or enclosed space with sound reflecting walls used for producing echoing sound effects, largely for recording purposes, whether it's music or movies or radio or the like. In effect, An echo chamber is specifically designed for sound to reverberate. And rest assured, I didn't write this podcast episode to discuss rooms or spaces that allow sound to echo or reverberate, although you could probably hear some echo and reverberation in the background. I actually dug a little bit deeper for you this week, fellow questers, and looked at the second definition of echo chamber which is an environment in which a person encounters beliefs or opinions that coincide or align with their own existing views and are reinforced by seeking out information that aligns with those existing views and or belief systems. And what it does, it actually uh, it actually causes us to not explore alternative ideas or perspectives, or, or, or when we encounter those, those things aren't, aren't really considered. And this idea is closely related to confirmation bias or when a person develops tunnel vision, which they simply look at their own thoughts, ideas, and perspectives as being right, and those are echoed back to them and thereby producing a self-reinforcing effect. And it isn't merely the fact that their beliefs are echoed back to them, but it's also the frequency and constancy along with really an overt omission of alternate thoughts, ideas, and perspectives, and even belief systems. Pierce Ekstrom, an assistant professor at the University of Nebraska, who is a leading research in psychology and neuroscience, was quoted as saying, we've known for a while that people are selective in what they read, listen to, and ultimately believe. Even if you succeed at persuading someone that something is true, they tend to be unwilling to pass that information on to people who hold the same pre-existing beliefs because it actually can undermine those beliefs. Which gets me thinking about another question. With regard to our belief systems, and also knowing what Pierce Ekstrom said about even in our ability to persuade someone, you know, what do we what do we lose if we're wrong? I mean, do we lose some sort of self-esteem? Does it hit our self-concept? Does it completely wreck our entire life or world? I mean, what is the issue with being wrong, with discovering facts or truths that are inconsistent with our current belief systems. I mean, the reality is some of these can be incredibly helpful. And, and what I'm not saying is that echo chamber is, in, is inherently unhelpful, but we have to pay really close attention to the information that we are 
uh, we are seeking out and we're internalizing. So an example of an echo chamber that is helpful could be proper nutrition. Now, I'm not a vegetarian, but I have done enough study to know that plant-based diets are actually way more beneficial than diets that consume animal protein. All, and I still consume animal protein. So it's not, I don't have this deep-seated ideological bent one way or the other, but at least I've explored the possibilities enough to know what the, the evidence suggests. And in no manner of speaking do I feel like I've, I've been wrong along the way, even though I have been ignorant along the way because I simply didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm under no delusion that I have all of the answers. Uh, the reality is, I like to challenge my belief systems, and I'm going to get into a number of different examples of this where you can actually get to a place where you can challenge your belief systems and sit in the discomfort of those challenges without it completely wrecking the foundation of your life. So the first thing I want to talk about is social media. I mean, this is arguably the ultimate echo chamber, and by now we all know how this works. Tech, tech companies are incredibly smart. They use adaptive algorithms to keep us scrolling. They, the, the whole goal is to keep us on their pages longer. And so when they use these, these adaptive algorithms to keep us scrolling, they show us content that aligns with our views. And let's face it, it's difficult to imagine you know, in the 21st century life without social media, especially for Generation Z who was born into the social media world. They were, they were born with a smartphone tethered to them whenever they came out of the womb. Even a segment of millennials don't know what life was like without social media. Now, I am not in either one of those generational cohorts. I'm a Gen Xer, and I remember distinctly when social media burst onto the scene, most notably with MySpace. And while MySpace wasn't the first social media platform, it certainly was the precursor to the likes of Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and the rest. And while the adaptive algorithms these companies use to expose us to content that provides a measure of comfort, and it, it, it's comfortable to us because it aligns with what we already agree with, to grow beyond our current reality requires that we push back. When we see this content, through the, the use of these adaptive algorithms that align with our prevailing viewpoints or our beliefs, what it actually does, it makes us feel better about ourselves and in so doing keeps us scrolling. So to move beyond our current reality, to move beyond this self-reinforcing nature of living in this echo chamber, we need to push back. And so we can do that by either diversifying our media sources or increasing the consumption of media sources or both. So we get more exposure to different viewpoints that allow for an understanding of what's being discussed outside of our echo chamber. So we need a, a critical eye to really evaluate what truth and fact is and filter out false narratives. So that's social media. The next echo chamber is organized religion. And this is perhaps one of the oldest types of echo chambers. And at first glance, a focus on God doesn't seem to be inherently problematic. 
But when was the last time you were at a church service or a temple or you know, some sort of religious function, at least in the United States, whether it was Christian, maybe you're part of the LDS community, maybe you're part of the Jewish community, and the pastor, priest, spiritual teacher, rabbi, you know, worship leader said something like, you know, let's take a look at these other belief systems that are inconsistent with our belief system and critically evaluate the merits of those views. I mean, when was the last time you heard a religious leader actually, you know, lead uh, some type of talk or homily or whatever, where they, they started with that? And maybe there are religious organizations that do do that. I, I'm not aware of those, but maybe there are. And I just haven't experienced anything like that. And you know, the, the sermon or message being delivered ultimately reinforces what everyone in the room at the service already believes. And as I mentioned, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, provided that you have taken time to explore alternative thoughts, ideas, and perspectives. Now, on this podcast in previous episodes, I've gone on record to say I'm a Christian. And to hear that, and then to hear what I just said, you might argue that I'm doing the same thing, where I'm sitting at a church service and just having my prevailing beliefs reinforced, and in part that's true. But please make note that I've been on a spiritual journey most of my adult life, and I've had an on-again, off-again relationship with God, and following Jesus Christ in my life today makes the most sense to me. I will add, though, that to this day, I study other religions and other, other religious viewpoints. For example, I recently finished a book called The Roots of Buddhist Psychology. I was turned on to this book by a friend, and this completely blew me away. And I, I found it particularly enlightening and thought-provoking. And so examining an alternate viewpoint that was inconsistent with my prevailing relief, in this case, my Christian worldview, it didn't rock me as much as it made me more curious. And that's one of the, that, that's one of the, you know, the other sides of this echo chamber that can be self-reinforcing. So as with social media, it's, it's, it really is essential to explore alternative courses of thought, ideas, and perspectives, if for no other reason to gain a more thorough understanding of the different belief systems, especially those that are different from ours. So we have social media, we have organized religion. The next is teams in organizations. This one, the, this one is fascinating because despite the voluminous information that is available in the Harvard Business Reviews of the World uh, or academic research, this just this is an ongoing challenge for, for individuals and teams in organizations, particularly in businesses that uh, utilize self-managed teams or, uh, or temporary task teams. And the risk is falling prey to groupthink, which is the, a mode of thinking that causes teams to avoid exploring alternative courses of action. And there are a variety of reasons for this. In fact, the literature says there are eight different symptoms. I'm not going to cover all eight symptoms, different symptoms. You can Google that. But let me give you an example of one. 
invariably, whenever you're on a team, there is an individual who has an extremely strong, assertive, maybe even aggressive personality. And we know that people get married to their th to the thoughts, ideas, and perspectives. And so when you couple that with someone who has a domineering personality, all of a the sudden there are other people in the room that may just say, hey, you know what, I'm, this just isn't worth it. So the dominant personality is applying direct pressure. That's one of the symptoms of groupthink. And the others, because they want to avoid conflict or they don't want to rock the boat, or for any number of reasons, just kind of go along with it. And the reality is that person with the dominant uh, personality might be wrong. But when we fall victim to groupthink, we don't know that in the moment because we fail to explore alternative courses of action. So rather than continuing to brainstorm or assigning someone the role of devil's advocate, teams focus on one or two ideas that someone believes it will solve a certain problem and those ideas tend to reverberate across the team across the organization and who knows if they're right or if those solutions will be effective one of the tip one of the things you typically see with uh, with team-based environments is when a manager is on the team and they walk into a team meeting and say something like hey everybody you know customer turnovers up 30% versus prior year, that's clearly a problem. We have to fix it. Here's what I think. And, you know, Sam, what do you think? And Sam says, well, you know, boss, I think you're, you're right on that one. And then they, it echoes throughout the room. And it could very well be that it was the manager's decision that caused the problem in the first place. I mean, this is, this is crazy. You know, versus the manager coming in saying, hey, look, everybody, we have a problem. Customer turnover's up 30% versus last year. We've got to fix it. Sam, what do you think? And then the manager reserves the right to communicate what he or she thinks at the end of it, whether they communicate it at all. So as with social media and organized religion, it's critical that teams outline their modus operandi. They outline their MO for what they stand for how they're going to address uh, openness in communication, how they're going to deal with conflict, maybe even form a team charter right from the start if time permits, all in the attempt to combat groupthink when it occurs or better yet, prior to when it occurs. So that's teams and organizations. The next potential echo chamber are families. In families, the role of the echo chamber is almost exclusively driven by parents and their views of how you know, the world works or how at least how the world should work. And how they choose to manage within their family is largely self-reinforcing. So self-reinforcing really kind of is the thread throughout this podcast thus far where parents, um, maybe they believe that a college degree is nothing more than a piece of paper and an expensive one at that. And that, um, that doesn't actually allow people to get ahead because maybe the parents don't have a college education and they've turned, their lives have turned out just fine. Well, that's clearly a bias that gets communicated to the kids. And anytime they see someone who is successful without a college degree, that reinforces that belief. Uh, you might have, uh, correspondingly, you might have a parent that is concerned about uh, not, not putting their kids through college because they don't want 
uh, their kids to acquire any student loan debt. And whenever they see a news story about the, you know, the rising uh, amount of student loan debt across the country, that reinforces their belief. Uh, if parents you know, hold religious views that two people should wait until marriage to have sex, any information related to teenage pregnancy reinforces this belief system. If one or both of your parents believe that children should be seen but not heard, this was a, a, a generational thing. This was something that I grew up with. They'll have the belief system reinforced when children talk back. And the... If you're, the, if you're the parent or future parent of a teenager, this is bound to happen. I mean, th this is going to happen. So uh, rather than living in a world of being seen but, but not heard, what if we have measured communication? What if we explore alternative courses of action? I mean, e even the most functional parents hold on to and pass on their beliefs, what, largely what they learned um, whenever they grew up. They pass those on to their children without malice. The, the intent is generally positive. Um, one thing parents can do a better job of is uh, paying more attention to how they're creating a recurring feedback loop when they fail to acknowledge the possibility of adopting new beliefs or even implementing different parenting strategies or styles. So as with social media, organized religion, and teams and organizations, the we can potentially compromise our ability to learn by failing to explore alternative courses of action within our families. The next are friend groups. Friend groups, like attracts like. Most of our friends, most of them, are more similar to us than not, at least with regard to values. And most people want to belong to some peer group. They generally want to be liked. They want to be accepted by everyone else. This makes sense. What we need to acknowledge is that people judge their own beliefs largely off of what their friends uh, believe or what, how their friends are, you know, how they'll answer back. And it doesn't matter if the beliefs are grounded in truth or fact or even nonsense. Most groups will come to a fundamental agreement because they've been given the same information and have been taught the same thing. I mean, this is a foundational characteristic of external validation or social validation because having competing belief systems causes risk of being ostracized from the friend group or tribe. So, for example, if you are consistently... Uh, seeking out, um, or if you are, let's say, hanging out with a friend group in, that are largely conservative people, maybe they grew up in the church or you know, even politically, they're largely conservative people, and they won't give a second thought into joining some sort of alternative group like emo or something. Well, ironically, the alternative group feels the exact same way. They share their a similar belief within their groups. And so both sides are, are, are willing to scoff at other members of those groups where they're actually doing the same thing that you're doing with your friendship group. And this can be incredibly divisive to human relations, which is antithetical to making deep, rich connections with other people. 
I mean, such division leads to a lack of tolerance of, of other people because people fail to flex their thoughts and beliefs. They fail to make room for others that are different from them. And as with social media, organized religion, teams and organizations and families, friend groups limit themselves by perpetuating the echo within their own chamber. And the last thing I'll touch on is politics. Oh, this is probably the single best illustration of an echo chamber whereby people seek out or encounter only those thoughts, beliefs, and opinions that align with their own existing views on politics. And even if you're not fully on board with my description of any of the previous echo chambers, social media, organized religion, teams and organizations, families and friends, you have to acknowledge that politics and our political leanings and beliefs reverberate and cause a significant amount of conflict and strife between and among, among groups. All you have to do is ask someone, what news program do they watch? And if they're watching Fox News, they probably tend to be more Republican, maybe a little bit more conservative. If they're watching CNN or MSNBC, they probably have more Democrat leaning. And each of us, quite frankly, would be better served spending time looking at the other side of the political information being communicated, which is to say that if you tend to be Republican and consistently watch Fox News, you're doing that to feel better about yourself, but you'd be much better served watching CNN or MSNBC if for no other reason to challenge your existing beliefs and learn what the other side is saying and vice versa with Democrats. It's okay. It's okay to take in information that's inconsistent with our thoughts, ideas, perspectives, and beliefs. If for no other reason, it helps us round out our perspective. It helps us round out our worldview. So as we wrap up another edition of the Quest for Life podcast, I encourage each of you to learn something new every day. But that's not exactly what I mean. And while, I mean, that's an apt cliche. Learn something new every day. We should do that. But what we, should, what we shouldn't do is learn something that automatically supports or reinforces what we already think or believe. Echo, echo, echo. In, in such a case, the thing that we, quote, learn isn't necessarily, quote, new, but rather it's a different data point or nugget or point of view or piece of information that already aligns or undergirds the data points, nuggets, pieces of information that we, that we already espouse. Instead, learn something new and different every day. Make yourself uncomfortable at least once a day with a piece of information that's inconsistent or runs counter to your existing belief system. Now, this isn't easy to do. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm under no delusion that I don't live in an echo chamber. I do. We all do. But what we can do a better job of is actually learning alternative thoughts, ideas, and perspective to find uh, to, to find truth, to seek out new facts and information. 
Because who knows? We might come across something that actually can be transformative to our lives simply by having looked at something else. Now, when we do look at that something else, I'm not suggesting you need to adopt it. I'm not even suggesting you need to advocate for it. What I am suggesting is that you let the new and different information wash over you and allow yourself to sit in the discomfort. Let it bug you a bit and ask yourself why you can't bring yourself to believe it. Look at, look at it really hard. Why can't you bring yourself to believe it? Now, you might live in an echo chamber that is incredibly helpful to your life and is self-reinforcing in a really positive way, and that's why you can't bring yourself to believe it. Okay, that's okay. You might also live in an echo chamber or know someone who lives in an echo chamber that is, is incredibly unhelpful or maybe even destructive to their lives. And so them being exposed to information that runs counter to their prevailing thoughts, ideas, and beliefs could be the thing that actually gets them out of it. So let it bug you. Ask yourself why you can't bring yourself to believe it. Believe it. And whatever, whatever that reason is, it's okay. At least you know in the moment that you're moving out of your current echo chamber at least for a little while. And that is always a good thing. And as usual, it's food for thought, fellow questers. You can contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That's the quest number four life.com. After you contact the show, consider leaving a five-star rating or even writing a review. Thank you for joining the conversation.